thank you so much for joining us for the Fellowship Collective's podcast study of the book Reset by Jeremy Riddle. My name is Robert Wood, and I'm the worship pastor at the Fellowship Church. You are listening to chapter one, Reclaiming Worship. This is the first chapter. If this is the first thing you're listening to from our podcast, you are in the right place. Hey, we want this podcast and book to be a resource for you and enable you to have a weekly devotional time with our worship and production team and our creative directors and shepherds. Our aim is to be as concise as possible so that this podcast can easily fit into any schedule. If you only have 15 minutes uh, to get on board with us every week, most people can find 15 minutes to carve out, even if you're driving in the car or uh, exercising whatever to work this in. If you have not ordered the book, there's a link in the description that can help you get there. If you are unable to purchase the book, please contact me at rwoodatthefellowshipchurch.org and we will purchase one for you. That's how devoted we are um, to want to be in this boat together. But the greatest aspect of this podcast is that everyone can still glean something and be in unity of pursuit with our department, even if you do not have access to the book. You can just listen here and we'll highlight stuff week by week as our team goes along through the book for you. We are in the first chapter and it discusses some of the history of worship, the design of the devil, and the hope we should have as the global church and our ability to recapture purity in worship. And that is our prayer as the worship and production department of the Fellowship Church, to recapture the purity in worship. As we read this book, I can almost guarantee you will have moments of conviction. I know I did. The author goes scorched earth on worship as a celebrity slash hits producing industry, and by proxy calls into question many things that we consider quote-unquote normal in the world of worship. As he does this, I want to encourage you to let these convicting words find your heart, but not let them drag you through the mud or cause you to turn back on the mission God has sent you. There is mercy. Please locate these issues of the heart that are brought up and repent, but do not let them leave you in a place of self-flagellation. I am praying that God will use these powerful pages to circumcise the areas of our hearts that have become inflamed by the world and devices of the enemy. The first chapter of this book wastes no time. You don't have to guess at what the author is getting at, and it becomes immediately clear that he carries an intense desire to restore the purity of worship in our churches. Jeremy identifies the problem in chapter 1 on pages 1 and 2. And I'm going to quote him here. Our enemy was patient. He was crafty. And at present, he is wildly succeeding in his mission to destroy the purity of worship. Worse, we are allowing him, at times even partnering with him. Every time we allow idolatry, humanism, pride, falseness, heresy, celebrity, self-indulgence, debauchery, sensuality, and so many other forms of worldliness and wickedness to parade around uninhibited in our houses of worship, we partner with his destructive work. The worship movement may look better and sound better than it ever did in the past, but as a whole, it is but a shadow of its former purity, power, and anointing. The sound is huge, the personalities are large, the stages are bright, the crowds are enthused, but so often, all I can hear is noise. All I can feel is grief. End of quote. And Jeremy goes on to identify grief about his unawareness, his contribution, his silence, and says, In my grief, I find my heart crying out, Oh, 
where is the sound of purity and worship? Where is the sound of hearts free of self-indulgent agendas and utterly enraptured by Him? Where is that sweet, thick anointing? Oh, where, oh, where are you, Holy Spirit? And where is your precious presence? Where has it gone and where do we lose it? How did we get here? But most importantly, I find myself asking, can we get it back? And he leaves that question a little open-ended. Of course, we do know the the end of the story. We do know the answer to the question is that we can get this back. Um, we can get this purity back in our worship services um, that may have been diluted over years of production and high quality, which are all great things. Um, but I, I think what he's recognizing is that they have diverted our attention in some ways uh, to things that aren't of Christ and are not pure. You know, I think a majority of churches are guilty of basing our worship, our services, programs, outreach, and life groups off of what other churches are doing. Instead of being led by the Spirit and by Scripture, we are lazy. We find a model and we replicate it, and I'm guilty of this too. We cannot make week by week, and especially not day by day, pivots in our ministry because we are locked into a program that was probably instituted by some other church five years ago or something. And as they move into new things, the local church regurgitates and imitates something that has the look of success or at the very least predictability. Comfort has become our guarantee for all and we are so worried about anything becoming uncomfortable or anyone becoming offended. Newsflash, buddy. Jesus calls you um, in Matt 16, 24 to take up his cross and follow him. In other words, he didn't say that this was going to be easy. The, again, Matthew sixteen twenty four says, this, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says the narrow is the road that leads to life. Matthew seven thirteen and 14 in the NIV says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Are you on that narrow road today? Jesus does not tell us that it's going to be easy, uh, or without pain, or without trial, uh, but he promises that he will be with us. If Christianity and your weekly worship services are making your life easier and you are unchallenged by what your church is teaching, they must not be teaching Scripture because it is challenging from end to end and the cross that we are called to wear is a rugged one. The design of the devil is to counterfeit what God has made pure. Satan was a worship leader. When he wanted the spotlight to be on him or his abilities, when he wanted the praise to be directed to his talents, that is when he was cast down. Even knowing this, we fall into the same temptation of pride. And when we make an event or a song about us, the devil has been successful yet again in redirecting attention away from God. On page six, uh, he says, The enemy is trying to seduce a whole generation in the pursuit of its counterfeit, to become a celebrity instead of a person who carries glory. Darker still, he is seducing a generation into capitalizing on the glory of God as a means to that end. Let us pray today that we would be people who would carry glory. If that's in your heart, if that's resounding with you, just say amen where you are. Just say, I agree. Let the people, let the worship leaders, let the volunteers, let the production, let the staff of the Fellowship Church be people, a tribe, 
after God's heart that would carry the glory and the presence of the Lord with them. The author sums up what direction we must take and urgently on page 7 when he says this, We must dethrone entertainment in the church. We must dethrone the spirit of performance that is born of the flesh. We must dethrone the lust for influence and fame in leadership. We must dethrone the Western world's worship celebrity culture we have freely shared with the nations and cause them to stumble into the same idolatry. Woe to us! We must dethrone selfish ambition. It must get out of our hearts and off our stages and podiums. To even allow it on the smallest scale is ruinous. It always weirded me out when fellow worshipers and worship leaders became starstruck with worship artists. This, to me, is worship celebrity culture at work. And I'm not saying this hasn't happened to me. Um, I'm not saying that this is an insane idea that this would happen to anybody. Um, But the way that we've exalted our pastors and our worship leaders in the West um, is just, it's it's a bit beyond now. And I think that's what the, the author is identifying is going to have to come into reckoning for us to reclaim purity in worship um, that looks more like the throne room, that looks more like heaven. James 3.16 says, Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So, let's get practical with it. One way we can practically use this information is to take note of where our heart and mind are in worship. Try this during the next rehearsal this month. Ask yourself, Is my mind on Christ as I sing about Him? Am I more focused on Him or my musical technical responsibility right now? Is my mind wandering during worship or during the sermon or during my responsibilities at camera, at broadcast, at the soundboard? Do I care more about how I look or how I'm making Him look? Where is my pride getting in the way? Let's just pray together if we could. I don't know if it's weird or not to pray through a podcast, but I know that I do like to cover everything that we can in prayer. The Lord has brought this department. He's brought this church a long, long way. He's been faithful. And I know that if we let him have his way this year, that we're going to be along for a great ride. Uh, He's going to continue to work mightily in this body. And we get to be facilitators of that. We get to be helpers of that. But we need to be hearing his voice as a department. And so let's just pray right now, if you would, um, just quickly. Pray this with me. God, let our selfish ambition break and die at the cross today. We lay everything down again and ask that our sin and stains be removed from us. I pray that my will would be undone and that your will would be done. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be welcomed and preeminent at all of our services and in every corner of my life. Let us bravely accept the journey this book is offering us to radical obedience and surrender. We humbly ask that you would pardon us our sins of pride. I ask that the members of our creative department would be carriers of your glory. With man, these things are impossible, but with you, God, all things are possible. Amen. If something has moved you or if you have an encouragement concerning this book, please type it into our Slack channel worship and production team. We want this study to be as community-driven as possible. Next week's chapter is one of my favorites, The Power of Purity, so make sure you join us. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to do this study with us. Can't wait to talk to you, uh, talk with you about it, and I hope to see you soon. Bye for now.